We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And Lakers lost one pretty much wire to wire on Saturday. Looking bad. Gave up a franchise record for the Orlando Magic, 36 second chance points. We're going to zero in more on that uh, specific topic later in the show. But Mike, you're out on the road with the team. You're in Miami. We got a game later today uh, as we record. But there was a pretty annoyed crew of uh, Lakers leaders between Darvin LeBron and AD after the Orlando game. So take us through your experience on Saturday and what you saw. Hi, Pete. Hi, Darius. Yeah, guys, there's Hi, the... There's Happy the, birthday, Mike. Yes. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I got, I got plenty of that. It was very kind, as Bill mentioned, like eight times in the broadcast. So a lot of people were texting. And thank you to everybody. Um, so I think with the... There are a couple things going on. And I think back to last year first to set this up and the acquisition of Rui Hachimura and Jared Vanderbilt um, in in addition to the other guys, but just basically the Lakers getting bigger um, and getting a little more size, getting some more athleticism, just some some bodies uh, that could do some damage out there. And then as you go into the postseason, I don't remember many games where the main concern was defensive rebounding and just sort of size. There definitely were the transition defense concerns, and that happened throughout the postseason. That's happened. That's continued to happen. But and then going into the preseason this year, we talked a lot about the shift in the offense and the five out and, and who's going to start and who that that body's going to be. But, you know, when you get down to Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell and LeBron James in the starting lineup and then that three spot, which so far has been either Torian Prince or Cam Reddish, it's kind of it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's a lot on Anthony Davis from yeah. a physical st- physicality standpoint, from an athleticism standpoint or lack thereof. And the issue has borne out in basically every game. Uh, there have been a couple of times that, you know, that the Lakers have either played hard enough or um, had some bigger lineups to make up for that. And essentially Christian Wood closing games like against Phoenix, against Orlando and the Lakers winning those. But it just kind of came to a head against an Orlando team who the Lakers had just beaten and they had just seen how 
aggressive that Orlando can be in that context with their big guards, um, with their big forwards and just their energy. And they did not want to lose to the Lakers twice. And they were just playing hard uh, like they were in L.A., but even they had taken it up a notch. And I think there was just being in the arena. It was very clear early that the Lakers were not going to match that energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how, some of this is personnel, Darius. Some of this is energy and effort from the guys that are out there. The vet, some of it is just sheer size or lack thereof and getting beaten uh, by more physical players. But it is an issue. And I, I, I think that if the Lakers were fully healthy, there would be a couple of answers there. But it's not to me just like an automatic uh, fix that's going to happen because there are there are going to be some players that are not great at this. Um, that are going to be in prominent parts of the rotation. So um, I think it's a real a real issue uh, going forward. What say you? The thing that stands out to me right now, Pete, is like we'll get into the defensive rebounding issues and and everything else. I'm of two minds of this. Teams are going to have these games where like the other team is more motivated than you or has more energy than you and they sort of just beat you to every loose ball orlando did that in the previous game too they're just a younger more athletic team like across the board one of the things that stood out to me in terms of the magic game specifically is just the lakers beat them last monday a week ago because orlando's two best players played poorly Mm -hmm. and their role players played well I thought in that game, like uh, Gary Harris played well, shot the ball well across the board. They shot the ball fairly well, at least from three point range. And the Lakers basically eked out a win or held on because Ben Caro and Franz Wagner weren't very good. And in this past game, Ben Caro was awesome. And Wagner was just way more aggressive and assertive. And he was not as shots, a, yeah. Yeah, he was not as efficient, but just the sheer volume and level in which he was attacking with was a difference maker. The flip part of this is, is you brought up the idea of like LeBron being irritated and Darwin being irritated and AD being irritated. It's just like, well, LeBron, AD, and Austin were like the only three players who played well. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so it's just like at some point you need your role players to step up and play well. And I don't count D'Lo in like the role player mode. He's been better than that. He was particularly poor against the Magic this past game. It just just in terms of his shooting. And I thought his individual decision making in terms of shoot pass and like that one three that he took like early in the shot. It's just like, what are you doing yeah. with that? Like late in the game Some when the Lakers would have a lot there. of possessions like that, too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and so this is where I thought from a big picture perspective, the Lakers being down the four rotation players that they are actually down. Right. When you're down four guys and then two guys are like, man, you, you stink tonight. <laughs> like there's yeah. no guy, other guy to go to, you know? Yes. There is no alternative there. Right. And so this is where I thought the depth, like the depth concerns were a real problem for for the Lakers, it's it's like, OK, there is no one else to turn to here. We need you guys to be better. And they weren't. And so they lost. And it was super frustrating in the moment. It, it's also like pretty predictable that on the road, your role players may not be as good. And against a motivated Magic team, they got beat. But the other big picture, the way they got beat mm-hmm. is a trend, an issue. Yeah. And 
If they don't start to clean this stuff up, which was a theme of all of the post-game availability is mm -hmm. cleaning this up and finding a way, and we have to be better in these specific ways. It's like, all right, everyone is saying the same thing, so it's time to actually do it, because if you don't do it, then the only people to blame are the people in that room. So I think addressing it starts with like evaluating the situation, right? And so one of the places my head starts at is we talk a lot about the front court and we will continue to. I've got some stats uh, that I'll share later on in the show about our big front courts versus our small front courts. But if you go into that game, our starting backcourt was D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves. Theirs was Anthony Black, a fun rookie. Uh, uh, who's like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, plays with a ton of motor. He had, a, I don't know what he finished with, but at some point he was like a plus 32, but he's kind of similar to Suggs, right? Like I kind of dig the build they're going for. It's kind of the anti-skill guard, right? It's this motor power guard type of build. He's that's, not as strong as Suggs and he's got more feel as like a passer does. and a playmaker, but he is a live body. He's a live athlete who's like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, at the one spot, right? Yeah. And so just right there, Purely as athletes, let's not talk about those that quartet. Uh, so in Suggs, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jalen Suggs being the fourth player that's in this quartet. If you just look at that on paper, like Orlando has a massive athleticism and size and physicality advantage at that spot, right? And then our our three spot this whole year has been to start with has been Prince and Reddish. And this is something, Mike, that AD said in terms of like getting better at this particular issue. It starts with the first five. He said that multiple times. And so at the three spot, we have we we went from Prince to Reddish in this this last game. And Cam had a really had a had a rough game and he's not a guy who impacts with his rebounding a ton either. And so basically you have, that, that's where I go guys is like, you have to acknowledge that there's going to be a deficit when you've got Austin and D'Lo in the backcourt together. And the three is also small. And that to me is the swing point of this whole conversation, because when the three is big, our plus minus is through the roof. When it's, when it's a Prince size, reddish, Max Christie's gotten a couple minutes there. But anybody that's like that size and smaller, it's really bad. I'll give you some more of the, the stats later, Mike. But to me, it's like a very basic, like that dude's a way better athlete than our dude. And oh, the position next to him, their guy's also a way better athlete than our guy. Uh, that's a lot to ask for just Anthony Davis to clean all of that up, you know? For sure. And so, Darius, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago that like Austin and LeBron played well. And I would say, well, they shot well. Right. But oh, this, sure. Yes. Yeah. Like yes. they were efficient. Yes. But this is this is when when Anthony Davis is talking about this post game, he's the only person in the starting lineup that through four quarters played like played well on that mm -hmm. end and rebounded and battled and blocked seven shots. And guess his blocking seven shots just sort of shows how ridiculously aggressive Orlando was, because at some point when someone's swatting everything, guys just stop you know just stop going to the hoop as much and they didn't Franz was like nope I'm coming Paolo was like nope I'm coming Suggs was coming they were all coming downhill well, one of the reporters Mike asked like do you think that's in the scouting report report and AD was like shoot it would that's what I would do you know yeah the scouting report here it is quote from Anthony Davis attack the glass get out and run he said that's been our Achilles heel that's what's going to lose us games we know our problem we've got to fix it so to 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 just further bake this cake Russell and Reeves together is, of course, not a physical backcourt, uh, but you get a lot of skill and offense mm -hmm. out of it, or at least you should. And you yet, should. the Lakers' offense has not been great. 
That's um, the other thing. And, yep. and, and so you're getting, so you're having them start together as a backcourt and, and you're not getting some of the bonus. Then you have LeBron James. And here's to me where the key difference is between last season, where we weren't talking about this a ton. And right now, early in this season, although we alluded to it in the off season, it's, it's about LeBron, but like during the time after the all-star break, the Lakers were having to play harder than most of the teams that they played against because mm-hmm. they had to win every game. They had to get mm-hmm. to the postseason. So in that, particularly with LeBron in year 20 last year, and he was going pretty hard. Uh, he was he was really engaging um, on the defensive end sort of earlier in games and especially once they got into the postseason. And there's no way that he should be able to do that now early in this season. Darius, this is a familiar debate. I know we've had it before. I just I don't think that he. Uh, yeah. And Darius is putting his arm up very um, graciously uh, in this context. <laughs> I like, all I don't. Yeah. yeah so. The ask of LeBron to do that and to match that energy and intensity and, and rebounding and de- like that to me is where Pete's point about that third that they're the, the swing player and it's mm-hmm. been so far Prince or Reddish it it really has to over index on all of those things that's right if it's LeBron Austin and D'Angelo Russell and to me it's it's almost that simple. And I don't think that that can change. Uh, and that's why I mean, I'm especially in some of these road arenas and we know what the scouting report is. Well, what are these teams going to do? What do you think? What do you think Miami's going to do? What do you think Houston's going to do? What do you think mm-hmm. Phoenix is going to do right now? Lacking some shooting and skill, but having plenty of size and athleticism. So, um, yeah, Pete, that's that's to me where I, I'm turning to you for some lineup solutions, uh, perhaps when we get back from a break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I think that Darius put this really well in the text thread the other day about having like short-term, medium-term, long-term type solutions to this. We have a short-term problem right now, especially with Rui being out, right? Like it's one of the things that can be difficult to do is take a team from being your concept. I'm talking from a coach's perspective. Did this at a much lower level, but I remember like, okay, all the summer, you know, I got all my lists and my Best lineups. Plans, and, Pete. Best yeah, laid man, plans. Right? <laughs> exactly. And like, okay, we're going to do this, to do that. And then like, it was the third game my first season. I got the job like two, three weeks before. The, I had no idea what I was doing. Anyway, they pressed us. We hadn't worked on any press break stuff 
absolute disaster. <laughs> so it was one of those things where it was like, oh, okay, yeah, we're gonna gonna need one of those, right? And so it can be hard to go from all of your thoughts. And Darwin was practically giddy before the season, right? Talking about all the different lineups we can play and all the different options and the talent that we have, right? That's a fun place for a coach to be, but it's a theoretical one. And there can be some things, especially in places where where you can have blind spots where you're like, oh yeah, that's going to work. And then you kind of take certain things for granted. I think the way Mike, the way you put it is very simple. It's like, you need to over-index on that, on the third guy, like Devo and, and Austin, we saw be an awesome backcourt. One, one thing one of you guys said, said earlier about uh, how that might've manifested itself in the playoffs and, and how strength wasn't so much of a factor. Maybe if Steven Adams was healthy, it would have been more of a storyline and they weren't like six, seven Xavier Tillman, right? And then the Warriors play a completely different style of basketball. But I would argue when we got to game one and right, we're like, oh, let's start three guards, Dennis and D'Lo and Austin. And then they beat the crap out of us to start that game one. And it was like, oh yeah, that was the series where the size and physicality did become a problem. And so the short-term thing, D, is like one of the big guys, you know, we'll see if uh, Jackson Hayes plays tonight as as well. But Christian Wood's been amazing in those groups. And so that to me is the short term answer with Vando hopefully coming back, Rui coming back. We've got yeah. other options. But right now, that that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, I had messaged you guys that there is a short term solution. And I think starting Wood is the short term solution. I think the way that you frame this is is just the perfect way to look at it, Pete. Like, I think Darwin came into the season or came into the preseason wanting to start Jared Vanderbilt next mm-hmm. to LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You know how I know this, Mike? Because I sat next to you in the media room and you're telling me like Vando's going to start tonight. And I'm just like, oh, this is the first preseason game. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing they're starting the guy who started all the games last year because this is the look they want to go with. If they right. wanted to try something else out. The first game of preseason would probably be like, oh, okay, we could try this out. Yep. We already know this other thing works. Yep. No, they went to the thing that they already like. And so Darwin was already playing in Prince what was likely his backup option in order to be like the second candidate to start at small forward. Now he's out and you're starting Reddish. And so it's just like, look, whatever plan you had, that dude got hurt a long time, time ago. To me, I have no allegiances to any of these second or third level plans. I'm looking for a short term solution that is potentially Mm -hmm. going to help solve one of the key problems the Lakers are facing now, Mike. And I think that in the modern NBA, oftentimes the first solution that is thought of is spacing and and mm-hmm. first of all, Christian mm-hmm. Wood does does provide that. So let's just put that. But he's not. I don't know if we're thinking of him in that context. And so you look at that Lakers group and you think in the half court, even though it was LeBron and Austin Reeves and, and LeBron James and Anthony Davis like that, that group wasn't great relative to the rest of the NBA offensively and in the half court. And well, why is that? LeBron and AD shooting is not their main thing. The spacing that it goes according to it, the way the teams are going to pack the paint, because even if they were able to shoot well, teams are still going to do that just because it's it's LeBron James and it's Anthony Davis. So we've kind of talked about this. And then I think that there's that thought of getting to a just a shooter, like a, a knockdown type shooter, even in an ideal world, the best wing shooter um, in the world. And 
if you provided the best wing shooter in the world, I would still say no, because because of what That's because right. of where the rest of these guys are at with their career, and you're in what's going to happen instead is teams, especially throughout the regular season, are just going to attack in transition, and they're going to attack the glass, and they're going to be bigger and more physical, and that was ultimately where all of the offseason discussion was was about. Well, who else can play this? I'm like, just no, it's got to be Vanderbilt. Um, and yeah, Darius, jump in. No, I was just going to say, Mike, to tack on there, it's like these are regular season game plans too. So it's not like this is a 15-layer playoff game That's game right. plan Weird. that these teams are coming into. They're saying, what are our top three things, Pete? Right? Like, this is a this is a regular season game plan. Well, guess what we're going to do tonight? We're crashing the offensive glass. We're trying to run on, on every possession. And, like, these are the foundations of every game plan. So as you both alluded to earlier, this isn't going away. I think this, is all, this also brings up a point where, you know how the other night— we go into the fourth quarter. We were down by 20-ish, right? 2023. 20, and then the LeBron AD group played for a while. And of course, there's a, a thought like, why are you playing the minutes right now? Why are they, you know, but they actually played good basketball during that time. It, the scoreboard moved a little bit in their favor, um, They, but they worked on a 2-3 zone. These teams don't practice anymore. This is something that people that I don't think understand that from a coach's perspective, they've got to get practice time in too. And so Darwin kind of spoke to this of like, hey, we wanted to get another run in and you want to maintain a certain level of like, hey, that competitiveness earlier was not acceptable. And I thought, LeBron was really great and kind of like pushing tempo and, and was really good in those minutes. But those are opportunities to play good basketball. You start getting on the same page by actually playing basketball. And on a team that doesn't ever practice, Mike, that those type of minutes are super important. And so to Darius's point that like this is not a playoff game plan, so many coaches right now have a certain, okay, this is what I'm trying to establish long term. Vogel used to do this too. Uh, this is what I'm trying to establish long term. And we're going to do this. This is how we got our first couple wins, too. We're going to do those those long term things, the first couple quarters. Then at the end, we're going to do the things that we know can beat this team to get to collect the win and move on. But that's a secondary dynamic that people I don't think always understand. That's that's always in the undercurrent of like November basketball. Even it's not March or April. Right. It's kind of establishing what you want to establish full time. And so. I think a lot of that is not working, <laughs> the the things that we're trying to, to implement. And I think that there are reasons for that. But I think that that's a big reason why we're falling behind by 10 every first yeah. quarter. Mike and getting our, our butts kicked is that he's trying to do like long term things as well. well. You know, a couple other things to just layer in context wise from last season and things that were working and things that haven't worked so far this year. Dennis Schroeder, I don't know that we spent enough time uh, on Dennis. Dennis. And how well he played and, and the point of attack defense specifically. Uh, and then, you know, his shooting was not great, but it wasn't terrible. Uh, and he he hit some big shots and he could you could give him the ball and he could penetrate to the hoop and then create an action so that Austin or D'Lo or LeBron or whoever else on the second side could then attack the defense in a more in a more vulnerable position. And when when Reeves and Russell, maybe not as strong on the strong side um, of the ball in that, and which is why LeBron's been initiating a lot more action. So you miss that. And then with Gabe Vincent's injury, and even before he got injured, he couldn't hit a shot. So we didn't really see part of the things that he can fill in other than the point of attack defense, which was good. But he now was that's a positive plus minus. Yeah. 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 And now that's not there and they don't have that. And so now to, to bring that around to Christian Wood potentially in the starting lineup, 
they still don't have anybody there in terms of point of attack defense. And so maybe that's part of why they were working on some zone. And I, I still think mm-hmm. that would be the best. If, if I'm just trying to win one game right now, obviously that's the lineup that's working the best. Even yeah. if you're going to concede something at point of attack and teams are going to be coming down the hill a little bit uh, at you, Darius. But I, it's still, I don't, it just seems like less conventional and I, I'm not, I haven't seen an indication that they're actually going to go that way, but that's the, that's the fix that seems to be the quickest band-aid. I would be doubtful that they move in that direction too, but let's take a break here because on the other side, I do want to talk about that point of attack stuff, the wood in the starting lineup, and then like how you try to compensate for that. Pete, you've you've talked about this a fair amount, but it's just like if and Mike used the word um, over index, which which I think is is appropriate here, too. It's like when you don't have something in one area, you have to compensate, right? Mm-hmm. You and, can't just ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. And so if the Lakers are going to be not as good at the point of attack, then you better find length and size and athleticism in other areas in order to help compensate to protect around the basket, potentially make higher contests on rotations out to the three-point line. And also, too, I rope in the zone defense stuff that happened in in that fourth quarter. They played that zone with LeBron, AD, and Wood on the court. It, it was yes, they did. like they didn't play the third small guy or Mm -hmm. the regular sized wing player they played the zone with the three bigs on the court and and so i just wanted to volley all of those ideas back to you guys because there is something to quote unquote build on it's just a matter of do you want to take that step or not and i i think that you guys set this up perfectly in that from Darwin's position, that's probably his first question when the the idea of starting Wood to kind of be a temporary band-aid comes up is like, well, who's my point of attack defender? And going to the 2-3 zone like they did in that fourth quarter with that particular lineup, I think is a clue. It's something that that tells you like, well, we're not going to ask them to be a point of attack defender, right? It's a And so a zone defense, you are conceding more, which coaches hate to do, especially a coach who's preference is to have a ball pressure guy with size and athleticism like a big part of the theory of the style of defense that Darvin runs is that you have a big physical defender that can kind of get the ball handler rushed right and when you're rushed and you're just kind of you know you got this big dude on you and then you got Anthony Davis behind to clean things up you can you can do a lot of good stuff there but that's as we were talking about earlier a, a deficiency even for a guard much less a, a wing size player it's a deficiency that D'Lo and Austin have in their game and so it's smart of him to not be like ah Austin just go over the top of those screens and get crushed you know and and bodied and forearmed and all of that right to to try to have a different type of approach and this to me is one of the silver linings Mike one of the like opportunities in less than ideal circumstances that early season basketball can present is that like having this type of look is a good thing. This is part of why Miami is able to win playoff series that they shouldn't be winning is because they have a certain amount of reps in a two, three zone or different sorts of looks that like that can be very useful in the playoffs against the right team and in the right situations. Or if, if you've got injuries or you want to keep a lineup that's hot on, on the, on the floor, but you need a certain level of defense 
being able to not be one thing all the time is a good thing. And, and so I'm curious if that fourth quarter was a harbinger of what tonight looks like. I am curious as well. And it's a, there's sometimes coaches will also return to this point though. And, and uh, essentially say, if you just execute more and just do the things that you can do more, then all of a sudden the game plan looks better. And there's no arguing that the energy level alone was just not as good as, as Orlando's. Not at all. So, so that's, that is a place where, uh, you know, I could see, I could see them just trying to continue to stick through until a couple bodies get back. We know Prince is going to play. I would assume then that he would start um, unless they do go to this Christian Wood thing right off the top. But if not, then they can still, you have a little bit more versatility of lineup then um, in, in what you had before, or at least you have like, if you're if you're thinking that you're going to get some of that proximate energy from the starters but you know one thing i've learned from being in miami for for many years and going back in in the heat they are almost always and especially against the lakers going to bring a certain level of physicality uh they don't have the same bodies necessarily that orlando does in mm-hmm. terms of just the sheer size and athleticism but they are they're certainly going to play with that level of intensity and this now just i mentioned this a little bit earlier but going through here's the next 10 games. So Miami, Houston, Phoenix, Portland, Memphis, Sacramento, Portland, Houston, Utah, Dallas. All of these teams in the NBA have have enough to beat you um, on a given night. And they all, from an energy standpoint, I think are going to be pretty strong playing against the Lakers. There are a couple of those teams that aren't as athletic. Um, Sacramento is one, and that's they kind of play a different style. They, they are athletic in terms of being fast, if not big. But I... I just don't – I guess the way I want to emphasize that this is that I don't think that the Lakers – that this is just going to go away by trying to collectively raise the energy. And I think That's that right. LeBron – I think that LeBron alluded to this when we were talking to him post game and mm-hmm. about rebounding. And I think somebody essentially suggested, well, what about you know putting a body on him? And he's like, look, man. He's like, this is the NBA. You you can put a Bonnie on on somebody all you want. If they're bigger than you, they're going to get that rebound. Mm-hmm. And when did we get better last year? When we added size um, at, around the deadline. And some of that size hasn't been available, but that's all. It's like, I, let's let's not just have mm-hmm. them focus on kind of playing harder and um, doing it with more energy. It's got to be like an actual change. And so if that doesn't happen, then, you know, I don't I don't know that things are going to be any different. So total sidebar here, when LeBron was making those comments, guys, I was thinking about um, us watching Victor Wembanyama. And so uh-huh. we haven't talked a lot of like general NBA yeah. stuff. Victor's been a marvel in so many so ways. Cool. And so uh-huh. when we do do like a general NBA yeah. pod, I'm, I'm sure we, we will over-index on talking about some of our favorite things, but... The way that Wemby has been, like, guys have been trying to shove him out of the way and box him out, and he's just, like, playing on a Nerf hoop. And so that's what I was thinking about <laughs> when, when, like, LeBron was like, oh, if a dude is just bigger than you, like, it doesn't matter if you put a body on yeah, him. Yeah, the, the whole idea of, like, oh, box somebody out, and then that solves all your rebounding rebounding problems. It's just, like, it's it's kind of fantasy. Like, yes, you do need to box out, but yeah. Yeah, it's so Vic's like the ultimate, like he yeah, is the most extreme version of that, right? Yeah, Where yeah. it's just like, oh, I saw a book try to like body him when they were playing against the Suns and Webby was just catching the ball like at the bottom of the square, just standing up. And it's just like <laughs> he's he's not even jumping. Anyways, 
I'll be interested to see how any of this stuff translates against the Heat. I also want to caution against some of the numbers looking as good as they do in the sample sizes that they are, but of course. also not act as though the numbers looking good should just be disregarded. And so, Pete, we haven't shared the numbers yet, and yeah. I want you to get to those right now. But Mike, I do want to also know too, like what Darwin has to say about like, what is a big enough sample? And like, cause this is something that coaches are almost always going to like disregard things when they're just like, Hey, well the numbers say this and the coaches, I've never seen a coach be like, Oh wait, the numbers say that. Right. Oh damn. Let me change up right now because like that's not how coaches are. But Pete, please share the numbers with us because I think this is important and it should be a springboard for how they start to play some of these games, I think. So yeah, the what I was going for with this, I spent a probably about 90 minutes on this this weekend. Um, just because like finding all the different combinations, you gotta go through it. But what I'm trying to determine here is how our big front courts have performed versus our small ones. And so the first thing is to determine which one's which. And so for me, on our team, the bigger players are Vando and, and Bigger. So like Vando and Rui and Bigger. And obviously Vando hasn't played. And then the next tier is like Reddish, Prince, and Smaller, right? Reddish, Prince, Max. And so there's actually a decent size difference between there. So I think it's a fair delineation. And so to be a big front court, quote unquote, all three players have to be Vando Rui sized or bigger. So this is Vando Rui, LeBron, AD, Jackson Hayes, Christian Wood. And so those lineups are a plus 73 in 98 minutes. So 98 minutes is just over two games. Plus 73 means they're winning those average of 36 and a half per game. Basically, those groups have absolutely dominated. Now, the leader of that group is, you know, the A.D. Wood-LeBron trio, trio, which is a plus 58 in 54 minutes. But there are a few other good ones in small sample sizes, right? Um, and, and so it's more looking for a trend across that. So plus 73 in 98 minutes for the big front courts. The small front courts, which are at least one of the players is not one of those bigger guys are a minus 93 and 193 minutes. So we're basically losing by 24, 25 points every time per game, every time we're playing those small groups. And so I too wonder Darius, you know what, what the larger sample sizes are, but it both matches the tape. And to me, the like just basic ideas that we were talking at, at the beginning of the show of like, Hey, the dudes are, the guys are small. You've got a small backcourt that isn't athletically particularly gifted. I don't think that's going to be as big of a thing against Miami. Cause they don't have two young athletes in the backcourt the way that, and that was the thing too, about, um, about that three big lineup, right? I wanted to bring that up real quick. It was we ran the three big lineup that we played against the Clippers. They got destroyed in like three minutes, four minutes. They were like a minus 16. And one of the ways that those taller type groups get beat is with a certain amount of force, D, right? Like off of the yeah. dribble amount of like, oh, you're going to guard me with this big tall guy? I'm not Kawhi Leonard, who's had leg issues and later in my career. I'm Paolo Boncaro. Like put Christian Wood on me. I'm going to cross him up and get an and one. Like, thank you very much for that opportunity. So I think that that three big group is certainly a, a niche thing that we can do here and there, but not applicable against every team. But I do think that having that three bigger players in the front court is, is the way, you know? What say you, Mike? Like, I know that you're a guy who wants the team to play bigger. 
you want them to be more athletic. You want them to sort to support LeBron too in in a very specific way. I'm assuming stats like this are music to to your ears, but not necessarily like okay, well, not necessarily because they're playing the they're playing the smaller groups twice as much, right? It's just like it's 190 something minutes to 90 something minutes. That means like. Two thirds of the like two thirds of the minutes are going to these groups that are not playing as well. So where are you at with this idea? I guess I'll just I'll try to be consistent in my LFR podcast history and pointing mostly to LeBron um, again with this. I just LeBron is one of the greatest athletes in the world um, ever. <laughs> and a couple of years ago. I don't know if it matters what lineup, who else you have next to LeBron and AD. There's just so much that he can do physically Mm -hmm. um, and how he can he can choose to deploy all of his various gifts in such ways that he can shut off whatever problem there might be. Uh, And in year 21, that has evolved some um, and or devolved some. So LeBron is still being asked or being asked maybe is the wrong term. He is still making sure to initiate a certain amount and do a certain amount on offense. And I think that the ratio to which he's he's efforting on offense versus defense is skewing more towards offense. And there are there are reasonable arguments to be made that some of that point guard ish stuff is necessary. Um, I just Mm -hmm. I think that the other ratio to me, because of having Russell and Reeves on that on the offensive side of the court, would be better to have him over index more towards defense, but it's just not going to happen as we, as we keep saying over and over. Well, and we can't score right now without mm-hmm. a Mike. He's like our offensive rating with him on the court is like 117 or something. It's like 92 with him off the court. We can't score without him taking that burden right now. Yeah. And that's, so that's a whole nother thing. And, and it's, it, it kind of, it kind of supports the way that the supercomputer that LeBron has mm-hmm. is operating. Um, I just would argue that there, there has to be enough, with Austin and D'Lo and to an extent, Anthony mm-hmm. Davis in that group, that that has to, that has to get better. Otherwise mm-hmm. you just got to split it up some because, it, mm-hmm. it, because mm-hmm. then you're not going to be able to afford the defensive hit that you're taking um, out of that group. But I, I, mm-hmm. I have seen Austin be highly efficient. If, if I get it more on the second side of the floor than not. Uh, and I've seen D'Angelo Russell um, be good, really good on the offensive side of the court. So I just, I just continue to think that, the the understanding of what LeBron is expected to do, um, it has to be a little bit more acknowledged than yeah. what it looks like when LeBron is on the court because he is still LeBron. And saying it all offseason, and I don't I, I don't know that that's changed. The thing that I want to add in terms of context to this, Pete, with with LeBron is that the way that it has evolved for him athletically is that when he had when he's got double digit rebound games. A lot of that is him coming down from the perimeter and having momentum yeah. in order to swoop in and clear rebounds. This and is such a good point. It, it's supported by his transition play, too. Yes. You give LeBron a, one, a runway, he's still a monster. But from a, a dead stop, it's a lot harder to jump. So he is not the same. He is not the same standstill athlete that he has been in in previous yeah. years. Or even if he can be that player, he is not deploying that in in, in Orlando the same in November. Way. Yeah. Yes. It's and so one of the things that we've been talking about offline a little bit is the deployment of LeBron defensively and where he's actually standing on the court 
and mm-hmm. why some of this matters in terms of the rebounding and the physicality and mm-hmm. everything else. Because if you allow LeBron to be on a perimeter player and then him swoop down and help on the glass versus him being on in the dunker spot defensively and then trying to fend off multiple guys and then, or even just one guy who is the same size as him Mm -hmm. and then trying to jump from a standstill and win that battle as guards crash in from the weak side against Austin and D'Lo. He is not the same athlete anymore to win those battles game after game after game, possession after possession Mm -hmm. after possession. He needs the assistance. And it's one of the reasons why, like, just where he's standing and how much you're asking him to do physically from a standstill to me is that evolution that Mike talked about in terms of, like, the type of athlete that, that he is. I'm not saying he can't do that stuff anymore mm-hmm. but if you're going to ask him to do that then you better support him That's with right. stronger perimeter players who are going to be like no none of these guards are going to come in and swoop at angles yeah i'm going to be the guy that's swooping in right like yes. rather than trying to fend off someone you know that's fighting for their life yeah 100 instead austin and delo and prince to a certain extent too although prince prince is a standstill player a lot he loves to ball watch Right. Mm -hmm. Austin gets bodies on dudes. I saw Austin try to body Mo Wagner underneath and he shoved him with two hands, stuck his hip into Wagner's hip in order to try to keep him off. And Wagner just basically shed him Mm -hmm. the way that like Reggie White, rest in peace to, to the minister of defense, the way that Reggie White would just truck a running back trying to pick him up in off of like like to coming off the edge. On a block, yeah. yeah, it's it's just like you're you like you're too small for yeah. me. And guards are doing this to Austin and D'Lo too, where they are just running into them and mm-hmm. shoving them off. It's not illegal. It's physicality. It's basketball, yeah. right? There's a contact sport, and it's like they need to do. You need to support LeBron better, like yeah. in these specific ways. I guess is what I'm saying. So, I also just the last thing I'll say here, and. Darius and I got into a little bit of the whole Anthony Davis thing, Pete, uh, and sort of in defense of him again. But so Davis right now is, I think, 10th in the NBA in scoring um, and third in rebounding. And let's see, depending on where Wemby's at uh, after his after his last thing. Nope, he's still in number one in the league in blocks um, by a full block. Like he he is doing yeah. everything and yet asked to just continue to do everything this is what i'm saying man he's the the one guy helping you, know? you move the couch people are like, like hey why are you so soft it's <laughs> exactly. like he's the like, one he's the one helpful person out there i mean he's been so Jokic is the best player right now um and anthony davis might be overall like if you if you've watched milwaukee play like it's been pretty mm-hmm. rough so far and anthony davis has been, been has been maybe the second best player uh, in mm-hmm. the league, there are a couple other candidates for sure. And, and man, we're going to start talking about Wemby soon. In yeah. that, but still, like Anthony Davis. And it's just he if you watch his postgame thing, it's kind of like, guys, what I'm 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 trying to, he's, to live up. He's to this been thing. amazing. Like, so, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Mike. And it, it also shows because both he and LeBron is is playing well in total. Right. Like we're his, you know. We're winning the LeBron minutes, right? And so both of your stars playing really well. And then 
so much of what's around it is stinky, I think is actually, it, it's a great control. You know what I'm saying? To have both of them playing really well, because it really, Darwin called this a period of discovery. I think there's a lot of conditions to learn a lot of truth, even in a small sample. So we got to wrap it up here. Uh, we will be back tomorrow to talk about how tonight's game went. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. Bryant, unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.